Hey guys, what's going on? All right, before you jump into the episode for today, this is a little different. And I've had a couple of these types of conversations that I'm going to start publishing as podcasts. So this was kind of a real and raw conversation I have with my friend Lorraine McNulty, who is fabulous. You'll hear all about her. We did a live stream on Facebook and had a great conversation with people kind of about the state of online marketing today and where things are heading. Um, So enjoy the episode and let me know what you think. Let me know if you like those, like these types of episodes. I actually have a two-parter coming up because it was such a long conversation with my friend Allegra. Stay tuned for that. In the meantime, enjoy the episode and let me know what you think. Building an online business is more than branding, content, and sales. It's what happens behind the scenes during the highs and lows that make or break your business. I'm your host, Kim Doyle, and this is The Kim Doyle Show. I'll be sharing my own journey of 10 plus years growing an online business, as well as talking to entrepreneurs who are on the ground, creating, building, and showing up every day. Remember, do business as only you can do. Okay, we are live. All right, guys, so um, depending on when you're joining us, let me just do a couple things. Hello, hello, Kim Doyle, and I am here with my friend Lorraine McNulty. We're going to have a podcast conversation and it's called getting real so hold on one sec i am simply going to share this all right so just give me one sec what's up Devinder's joining us thank you uh <clears throat> so hang on one second we're gonna go ahead and just share this into the group um i can't talk and type welcome to podcasting with Cam. Oops. And then I really can't type. This is going to be a juicy one, you guys. So I would highly recommend. What's up, Larry? Okay, good. This is fun. Got some of our peeps on. We have shared it into the group. Hello, Dorothy. Welcome, welcome. So let me do this, guys. Um, I am just going to shut a couple things down here. So while we pull this up to get started, I'm going to just kind of give a little bit of background on where this conversation idea came up. First of all, I've been mentioning that I've been kind of bored, not bored. I love podcasting, but I felt like I needed to mix it up. And I wanted to start having more real direct, no holds barred, which is going to happen with Lorraine regardless, (laughs) conversation about marketing and online business and whatever kind of floats our boat. So we've got an outline for you today, but this, this topic today is really about getting real about the state of online marketing and online business today. Um, But before we jump into that, in case you guys don't know, uh, I'm going to let Lorraine uh, give us a little bit about herself. We actually, we were saying this before, uh, we connected, she had been following the WordPress chick, but we finally connected last year in the group. She is a massive godsend to me. She helps me moderate the Facebook group. Uh, But Lorraine, let's have your background. My background, right, okay. I've been um, a web designer for 26 years now, (laughs) ages me somewhat, (laughs) Um, started back in the UK and moved to Canada 15 years ago this summer, Uh, moved my business and my family from England to Canada and didn't really skip a beat, that's what you can do with an online business, so uh, that was great. My background is in chemistry, I actually have a degree in analytical chemistry, Uh, kind of self-taught wasn't a lot of um, help for web design 26 years ago, so mainly self-taught, which uh, is is great. You can just learn what you need to do as you go along. Um, you know, we have this thing about being an expert, which I'm sure we'll cover later in this conversation. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's me. Uh, 26 years, been there, done most of it, got the t-shirts and the hats. So. <laughs> I got the swag to prove I've done it. Yeah. yeah. When, when you said chemistry, I remember the first time you told me that, I was like, Oh, that was definitely the one science class I transferred out of in high school. Uh, my brain just doesn't work. So kudos. And I'm thankful for people whose brain works that way. Um, but this is funny. So do you remember, I was trying to think, Lorraine, what specific, it was through Facebook Messenger. We started having this conversation and I think it was based on a behavior. Was it based on something we saw in a Facebook group happening and we were like, 
what is the matter with people? I, think, I can't remember what it was exactly, but something set us both off exactly the same time when we were frantically typing each other, bitch session on, uh, on Facebook Messenger. Exactly. Um, Larry and I will have, before we get too, too deep into it, or uh, Larry was actually wondering how you jumped from chemistry to web design. How I jumped from chemistry to web design. Um, 26 years ago, I got asked to transcribe a pharmaceutical conference that was going on in the UK um, because I was working for myself having got out of the lab I was working from home you can't really do (laughs) this is my story you can't do chemistry from home unless you've watched Breaking Bad um, and you want to do something (laughs) I didn't really fancy that somehow I don't look good in stripes in prison (laughs) so yeah so I got asked to transcribe a pharmaceutical conference and they and they having the transcript they wanted it put online um, so that their, their viewers could uh, could read it. Um, so that's how I got into web design. I had to find a way of designing something to put this transcript on online. So we built them a little um, basic web website. So that's kind of how I fell into it and it grew from there. Those journeys, especially when it's from such, it feels like such far spectrums. It's always fascinating to see how one jumps into that. Um, so it's funny as we were talking about that one of our it was a bitch fest and we don't do it a lot but i'm i'm definitely not one of those people i don't want to complain socially online but i do need to get it out of my body i'm human i have my snarky just crummy moments just like the the rest of us um and and i think it was one of those what what happened for me was lorraine reached out about something happening in a facebook group and i was like Okay, thank you. I thought it was just me, right? Like I'm being a skirt about wanting to be the one to complain about the way somebody's doing something or like, I just don't want it to seem, I I don't know, maybe it's the recovering Catholic in me. I get very much like, am I just, is this just, you know, me being like whiny or am I being sore about something? But I don't think, I I don't think that was the case. So (laughs) Lorraine gave me permission (laughs) to at least own (laughs) my frustration with that. Yeah, (laughs) Devinder was saying odd ducks. We've had offline conversations too. And I'm like, yeah, they're a little bit of an odd duck. I say that because it removes the annoyance for me. Um, <laughs> but we, we want to start with the state of things today. And we'll, I, we both have different perspectives on things. But I'd like to talk about what's working and what's not working. You can you know, tell me what, how about this, Lorraine? Let me know what you see that you like that seems to be working and then we'll kind of jump into, I don't know, we'll go happy than sad. <laughs> I don't know. What's working um, online for me, I think, is is genuine people. I can't stand, we'll call it BS because this, we're going to not X-rate this. But yeah, <laughs> I, don't, I don't like um, fake people. And I think it really, really shows um, if you're genuine, it, it comes across online. So people that you can kind of build a relationship with, I mean, you might not know them, you might never, ever meet them, but you, you kind of see them online and you can relate to something that they've, that they've shared or that they've, the story that they've told. Um, that, for me, definitely works. Well, your point of that, too, it's, it's the story that they've told, which seems to be the big thing, which we're going to get into storytelling in a little bit. But what I have found, the same thing, in, in terms of what's working is not the perfect, not the perfect polished pitch, regardless of how that looks. Now, I think where I might, I don't know, struggle, not that I, I don't think I ever come across as anything but me, I hope, but there are elements to copywriting and things that convert that from a psychological perspective work. And and I think if you're not used to doing copy or you're not used to saying, okay, well, what is the hook? And it's not about, oh, can I, you know, be smarmy and hook somebody with something, but there has to be that piece that grabs somebody and grabs their attention that makes them want to stick around and, and, and listen or read or watch, right? So I think there is that piece to it. I think that's where I'm sort of transitioning of finding that balance of, you know, being myself, but but there's a certain psychological thing that gets me. Yeah, it's 100% is psychological. Like years ago, in a, um, before I did the websites, between, after working in the lab, I worked in uh, recruitment. I was a recruitment consultant for a, a company that employed temporary staff in laboratories. So it was kind of a, a unique thing. 
But when, when you're interviewing somebody um, or you're talking to somebody that you haven't met, um, you, you kind of latch on to anything that you have in common. So if somebody says they're from the same hometown as you, you immediately have something in common with them. So if you're looking online and somebody has a pet dog or, you know, like you share uh, juicing things, if that's something that you have in common with them, it's immediately a hook that you have with them and that, that kind of attracts you to them. Um, so it, it's completely psychological. You look, for, you look for things in other people that you can relate to. But yet for some reason, it seems like I don't, well, and maybe it was this, I would love your thoughts on this. You've been in this space for a long time. I think the market has matured. I keep saying this, but I see, you know, obviously the stuff that was working 10 years ago isn't, there's more content, there's more ads out there. Things are costing more. Google doesn't need more content. So how do you get your content to stand out at the same time? You know, you have and for lack of a better word, I'm just going to call them like the internet marketing gurus. I can't come up with a better phrase right now, but it's funny because I feel like I've watched a lot of these people who could just, you know, whatever they did, it seemed to convert. And obviously we don't get the behind the scenes story, right? But it seemed to sell and they had these big audience and then they would mail for each other and promote each other. And it was all slick marketing. It was, that's the only word I can describe. Now I will see those same people trying to be real and they're posting ads of pictures with them and their kids in the kitchen. And it's like, <laughs> it's, it's hard. It's, it's in a way, I feel like you're in a better position today. If you haven't done any of that, if you're either new or pivoting or, or simply in a building your platform position to just be real from the start. So I don't know what you want to unpack from that, but I see a lot yeah. of that happening and it doesn't work for me. So I'm like, you were smarmy two years ago. I don't trust you. Well, and the other thing along with the, you know, the gurus is um, pe- people I see that are kind of trying to make themselves gurus, they'll drop names of other gurus that um, I've never heard of them. Like, I mean, I don't live under a rock. I do, I'm online all the time and I, you know, I'm not a big follower of everybody but it's kind of like oh you don't know that person you're terrible you know they try and make you feel guilty for not knowing who this guru from you know out of Mongolia is that I've never heard of so I kind of like oh I'm you know it makes you feel bad yourself because you don't know who these gurus are and then you go off and try and find out who they are and they're just another one like you say posting fake pictures of their of their nice house and their you know the kids in the kitchen but they, it, instead of attracting them to me, them you know me to them, they've made they've alienated me because they've made me feel guilty because I don't know who they are, or who they're talking about, you know who this person that they're quoting is. I have no no idea who it is. You know everybody knows different people. You can't possibly know all the gurus out there. So <laughs> you know yeah. if you're going to quote somebody that um, some people might not have heard of, you know, do it as a recommendation, you know, if you haven't heard of this person, go off and uh, read this or, you know, recommend something. Don't, don't try and guilt somebody into not knowing who that person is. You know, it came to my head, Lorraine. (laughs) And I I would love to say, I'm going to blame you for this, for what's going to come out of my mouth. (laughs) This comes out of my mouth when I'm not online. The bottom line is don't be a dick, right? Like I think at the end of the day, that summarizes it nicely. Yeah. Well, but the other thing, it's interesting. So last week when I was down uh, in LA with Troy Dean and he had his Mavericks and his WP Elevation, they all said something that totally resonated with me. And it's that we live in a bubble, right? So I know who I know and we tend to stick around the same people. And we've, I've talked about this in other Facebook groups that, you know, a lot of WordPress people are in similar groups and we all know each other. And so you forget, (laughs) I mean, there, it's like this tiny, teeny, tiny blade of grass, like on a football field, right? It's, we live in a bubble. So you forget. And I think, you know, when people say stuff like that, like, oh, you don't know this person, you know, where my brain now goes instantly. And maybe it's just from having been in this space for a while is I, I instantly think you don't have, you're so, um, in, in the space of putting people on a pedestal and following what everybody else is doing, I think they're new. I think that they don't have a solid foundation. I, do, I feel like they don't, they're not running a business when it's like, they're so enamored by gurus and dollars and what people are doing. You know what I'm yeah. saying? So it instantly, when people do that, like, oh, you don't know this person? I'm like, nah, all right, you're, I'm done with you. 
Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. It's just, just, you know, the guru thing. It's the saying, the old saying of we all put our pants on one leg at a time. You know, we're all the the same people. It doesn't make you special just because you, you know, a self-proclaimed guru. Or you know somebody, right? So a couple comments too. Devinder, you're going to have to uh, expand on this. He's saying when someone says MailChimp Gutenberg, he found someone from the community. I don't, I don't know if you, if you were referring to when Lorraine was saying that similarity when you've got something in common. I'm, I think that's where you're going. And Larry, um, same thing. He says, we call that leading with your resume. Example, when I was, which, but I think at the end of the day, you know, because here's the other thing, and this isn't the outline, Lorraine, but you've talked to me enough that you know this is how I work. Um, you know, I think the... Um, I, I was talking about, so I record, I went down to this event last week and I recorded a podcast yesterday. And one of the things that I did from having had that experience, which was a great experience, was that I was hoping to shed some light on mentoring and masterminds, right? In the sense of, you know, one, go into it with your eyes open. And I think I saw this in another Facebook group about people who are struggling, but then they go teach on the thing that they're struggling in, right? Or maybe they've taken a course and they go create a course on this. So at some point, where do you think the due diligence lies with the consumer? So meaning, you know, you can get the best copywriter and a great sales page and it could be a crap product, right? And it's going to sell all day long. And then oftentimes people think, well, I didn't finish the course or it wasn't me or whatever, as opposed to flip it where you've got someone who's crap at selling, but has an amazing product and can't get in front of people. So where does that due diligence lie when it comes to kind of consumer buyer beware? Yeah, I think everybody and their aunt is is producing a course at the moment, um, you know, and they're all so-called experts in one thing or another. Well, I mean, to be an expert, you only really need to know a bit more than the average person about Mm -hmm. something. Being able to teach it is a is a different different matter. You know, being able to kind of convey that knowledge to somebody else um, is a different thing. And like you say, you know, you can you can have a great landing page and grab somebody's email, but then you haven't delivered on the actual content of the course because you you you've learned about it yourself, but you haven't actually implemented it anywhere. Um, you know, I think I think to be an expert, you actually have to have proven somewhat that you've used those techniques to to you know solve some problems you know it's about being a, a problem solver rather than an expert in something everyone can call themselves an expert doesn't, but, doesn't but, necessarily mean they are no absolutely and so with that because the other thing as as I was recording yesterday something came to me and it was that I think for the most part and maybe this is just me being Pollyanna I think people are doing what they think they're supposed to be doing, right? I don't think people go out to swindle. I, 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 I mean, there are definitely those people, but I think the majority of people are thinking, oh, this is what online business is supposed to be. I'm supposed to sell a course. Oh, I know this thing. And not knowing the depth that maybe they do need to know it. So I think that they, people put stuff out there. And obviously that's why most of the time it doesn't work. Um, but meaning, you know, so it's kind of like affiliate marketing. I watched last year, um, ClickFunnels was doing this big promotion for affiliates. Well, they did tons of training and they did all these, you know, there was uh, Kevin Tia, who's a great guy. I'm actually going to have him on the show later, but he, he ran a free Facebook group teaching people how to do it. Well, the problem is you're getting thousands of people who are like, I want to sell ClickFunnels, but they've never made a dollar with ClickFunnels, right? And so there's a massive disconnect, I think, internally when you go to try to do the thing, you know? So you know, what are your thoughts on that? I think it's in disingenuous in a way. Yes, you may be able, you may know how to use a tool and know it in and out, but if you've not actually produced a result for yourself with a tool, like who does that serve? Yeah, and, and people are also targeting the wrong people. So, so for example, I'm, I'm a web designer, web developer, whatever you want to title, you want to call it. I could easily create a course on how to, design websites but that's not my target market I want to find people who want websites I don't want to find I don't want to teach other people how to build websites that's not really what I I want to do so you know you you can have some knowledge and think oh great I'll create a course on it but does it actually benefit you in the end if that's not who you're really trying to target you know you have to work out what your end goal is 
and then does a course benefit that because it doesn't creating a course doesn't benefit everybody you know it isn't just because people think they should do it doesn't mean they should actually you know put the work into to creating it and and a good course isn't something that you can just come up with you know in a week or a month I mean Davinda's on he know he's got some great courses he'll tell you himself how long it actually takes to do the work you know create the videos and put everything together and make sure you've got everything that makes sense to people um to to really provide a polished product for somebody you know it's a lot of work and a lot of commitment and and you know some people should shouldn't be doing it because it's not really um, going to be- benefit them at all well and we've got some great comments here from Devinder and larry and thanks guys you know it's it's funny because i was thinking about that and there is a you know outline it plan it pre-sell it teach it which I think that's great. I am. I have nothing against pre-selling when the person has their stuff together. At the same time, I kind of tend to be ready, fire, aim. So like I did a couple beta of the everything is content, not fancy, pretty live. And a year later, I'm like, I've got this dialed now. I mean, because of the work I've done with the content in between and really saying, okay, what do, what do I need to deliver to make this a better experience? So it's like, I believe in but I was transparent, right? When I did that, like you guys are the first one, we're going to do this together. I had an outline and all that kind of stuff, but I do think there's a way to do it without feeling like I have to be a pro. I have to, you know, know that it has to look polished and perfect and all of these things. I think it's in how you present it too, right? There's, there's an element there, you know, and Larry was saying something and this will tie in and I'll shut up in a second. Right? Larry was saying too, there's so many that take training and create their own training based on what they've learned. No experience, limited skills and knowledge. Absolutely. Um, and I'll come back to Demander too. I think with that though, what I would do is if you're trying to get better at something, because oftentimes we teach what we most need to learn, do it for free. And that's where I see people missing the boat all the time. If it's like, look, you know, I'm just testing this. I'm trying this. I would like to get some feedback. What are your questions? I want five or 10 people to do this with me it's going to be free or there's going to be a $50 charge or whatever, but we're going to build this together. So I don't know what you want to unpack. With that. Yeah. If you, I mean, if, if you're going to create a product and sell it um, to somebody and you've only really kind of just skimmed the surface and learned the stuff yourself recently before, how on earth can you support that? So somebody's paid good money for your course and they come up with a question. If you haven't ever implemented any of that um, knowledge and used it yourself um, you know, for for a, a decent amount of time to actually have come across any issues or problems or questions that people doing your course might have, they ask you a question. You have no clue of how to answer that because you you don't really have the depth of knowledge to to provide the answer. You you know you you've just done a course on it yourself and you're basically transferring, kind of ripping off the course you've just done to provide mm-hmm. provide that information to somebody else, which is you know in itself is a, is completely wrong. But you can't support your your customers because they're going to have questions and you're not going to have the answers because you, you haven't actually used that in a, in a real life experience, you know, in, in a website, a graphic design or whatever your course is on, you don't have the depth of knowledge to be able to support it and, and, and give them the answers to provide, um, you know, provide their money's worth. So, you know, that the end, the end of the day, your customers aren't going to be very happy with you because you can't, you can't provide a, a good product to them. So yeah, do it, do a free course. If you, if you don't really have the depth of knowledge, you know, you can do a course of this is how I learned to do this. It might, you know, it might be useful for you too, but you can't um, offer them a polished paid product if you don't have the depth of knowledge yourself to support it. That, and I think what people miss, it's funny. I don't know where else in the world there's, well, it's probably every now we live in an instant gratification, but the lack of patience for people to, to do things in this space blows me away. It's like, I get it. You're hungry to make a sale and to do things. That's where I think you do consulting and working with an implementation. If that's not your end goal, but you have to get the experience doing it. But at the end of the day, if you go and try to sell something just for the sake of having something to sell and it falls on its face, it's like, you got to start back over at ground zero now. You've lost credibility. People don't trust you. And you've missed that window of opportunity. You know, last week, uh, when I went down, I went down a day early, and Troy and I did a a podcast interview. I went and met him. And it's funny, because I was sharing 
well, lead surveys failed and the Kickstarter didn't mean <laughs> I was sharing all these things. And he said, you know, how he asked me something that really clicked and it was, how do you keep publicly going with this? And I think the difference is when you know you're doing the work, like you keep showing up, you keep creating for me, creating content and trying new things. And I was honest about all of it throughout the process. So I think when you're doing that, it doesn't feel so much like, oh, this didn't work. It was like, I just figured out what didn't work. Uh, And we pivoted. But I think it's what happens is people create courses or they jump in to be an expert and create authority, but they're talking at people and they don't have anything substantial underneath them. So I think there is this, going to get woo-woo for a second, this energy of they don't have the confidence in themselves that what they're delivering is valuable. Yeah, and and there's there's value in failing at something. I mean, there's the old saying of to be a success, you only have to get up one more time than you fall down. I don't know who said it, but I'll claim it because I just said it then. <laughs> it sounded good. Yeah, it, it's just and it, and it takes me back to my my math mathematics. Can't say maths because that's very English. Um, days of when you used to get method marks you didn't necessarily in an exam have to get the correct answer to a mathematical problem but you would get marks for showing the way that you worked out the answer and it's the same same sort of thing if you if you have something that you've necessarily failed at it doesn't mean the whole process was a failure it just mean the, the end result didn't work but you know for the lead surveys thing the whole process of getting to that that end product is very valuable um, you know, the fact that the, the end product didn't fulfill what you wanted it to, to do is just one part of it. So, you know, you can you can still outline a process and that can be an extremely valuable for somebody else who then doesn't have to work out that same process themselves because you've already shown them this is how you do it. You know, mine didn't work, but yours doesn't mean yours won't. So there's 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 value in the method of it rather than the end product sometimes. Oh my God, that's huge. And you said that's much more eloquently because I've always said, it's like who you become in the process of the doing. We've got some great comments too. Um, uh, Stephen saying the proverbial rubber meets the road when students start asking questions. Um, uh, Sorry about this. No one, Robert is saying no one wants to learn or take the time to do business the proper way. Uh, Stephen, failure means you are one step closer to success. Yeah. And you know, um, the, the positioning piece, Larry was saying, he agrees positioning it as a hypothesis tested out versus others who position their content as the only answer and everyone else is wrong. I position oh, that, yeah, so that, That's a huge bugbear of mine. If there's only one way to do things, oh. absolutely rubbish. <laughs> mm-hmm. not, you know, there's, there's more than the old saying there's more than one way to skin a cat, which isn't very mm-hmm. friendly at the moment, but, but <laughs> there's, you know, there's there's lots of ways to get to the, to the end destination, and just because um, you know you do it one way, if you're going to tell me you must do it this way, that like bye bye, you're gone. You know, I, I mm-hmm. one of the things that I think is one of my strengths. I'm not very good at recognizing my own strengths, weaknesses. Yeah, strengths, but this definitely is a strength of mine. Is flexibility. Like, I'm, I've always been, and I think this is probably from my, my science days of being very analytical. I've always been at a kind of, if I, hit, I come up against a, a roadblock, I can find a way around it. And, and there's more than one way around a road, roadblock, you know. Um, and one way doesn't necessarily mean it's wrong and one is right. So, you know, you have to be in business to, to survive. You have to be flexible. You have to actually find solutions um, to different problems. And, and, you know, from web design, that, that's half the problem. You can build a site for somebody and then they might have an issue with a marketing funnel or something else. There's more than one solution to it for them. You just have to get to the end goal that they want um, in the best possible manner. And it, and it might mean that you have to change that method several times to, to get the result you, that everybody wants. But, you know, the, there isn't just one way of doing it. Um. Yeah. Steve was saying, turning stumbling blocks into stepping stones. Absolutely. And this brings me to, here we go, guys. This might be the fun rant part. Um, But some of the the pet peeves thing, one thing that drives me crazy. And for those of you who are listening or watching, I want to know if this stuff works on you because every time I see it, I feel 
like I dismiss it as credible. And, and that's just my brain, I guess. But I can't stand, and this is primarily on Facebook that I see it. That, that's a social tool I'm on the most. <clears throat> but it's when somebody does these long, there's two types. There's long form posts and it's like, Lorraine's going to bring up, you bring up the one you were talking about. I'm going to do, I can't stand it when you see, you know, um, I, now of course I can't give you an example, but it's the talking at you of, have you been told that you're supposed to run webinars and they didn't work? Have you done this? It's, it's like wannabe ad copy and it's this long form post and it's, look, I don't do this. I don't do this. You don't need to do this. Contact me. And it's a message. And I'm like, Hey, I don't really even know what the F you do. Like, who are you? Right. But it's, it's kind of like this. And, and I get it with the putting someone else in your shoes, like the customer being the hero. We've talked about that. But my point is it's this talking at that happens on Facebook. I instantly dismiss those people as not having experience because I feel like if you had a skill set that provided value, you would be painting a picture of how I can work. I, I don't know what it is, but it's, it's this shaming almost. That's the best way I can explain it. And it reminds me of Russell Brunson's when he did uh, in expert secrets, he talks about the improvement offer versus the new offer, right? The new opportunity, I should say. So it's this improvement thing of everything you've been told is wrong. I've got the answer for you. And to me, I just want to punch him and I walk away. <laughs> Yeah, we, we have a, a, a kind of a phrase for people like that in, in my household. Um, you know, those people are, are called legends in their own living rooms because basically that <laughs> they're full of their own self-importance and uh, uh, not doing anyone any good. So let's talk a little bit, though, because you were talking about, so not that type of post. And I'm curious, you guys, uh, Devinder was saying, of course, it's like the 10 paragraphs stashed with the link in the end, get clarity you'll regret it. They put it in caps, not screaming, right? But <clears throat> that or it was this is what we were talking about, the rags to riches story. And and I think it's invaluable to tell your story, you guys, over and over and over again. And I heard something, there was a speaker last week too that said, um, I hopefully I can get this right. It was, you know, stop keep telling the same story to different people, not trying to tell different stories to the same people, if that makes sense. So the goal is you tell your story to people that are new to your space, but you do need to keep telling that because this idea that everybody in our space or everybody that's connected with us at one point or another knows our story. I mean, it's not there. At the same time, <clears throat> there's a big female marketer that I'm not going to give her name, but it was like, I heard the, the woe is me story about how much is in her bank account so many times. It was like, I get it. But at some point, when, when a marketer reaches a certain level, it's like all of a sudden they stop having problems. There, there's no, and I'm not saying I want someone's life to be a shit show or I want there to be massive drama, but it's kind of that new level, new devil. If you tell me you struggle and have challenges or something doesn't work, I'm like, oh, okay, I can relate a little bit, but there comes a point and that's the, the guru differentiator that makes me crazy. But these rags to riches and I'm going to let you go because you did a whole, a great riff on this before. Yeah. I mean, there's a, if you believed everybody that told you they lived out of their car, um, you know, because they couldn't afford to, to buy a slice of bread at some point you're going to think, well, you know, you're telling me that you've been in this industry for a long time, but you've been rock bottom and you've been living out of your car. Do, do I want to do business with you? You know, it, if it's a genuine story and you genuinely have experienced hardship and hardship is is a different level for different people it doesn't necessarily mean that you you know the old monty python skit of living in a cardboard box in the middle of the road that that's not what hardship is for lots of people it's it's different for different people but just make it genuine like if you genuinely have experienced um you know rock bottom people will appreciate you sharing that story but that they, they Half of the people that tell me they, you know, they, they're rags to riches, I don't believe them for a minute. It just doesn't sound feasible at all that they've, uh, you know, they've been as badly off as they say they have, not just once, but twice and three times. And it, it has to be a genuine story that you share um, to, to actually get people to empathize with you, to, to make them want to kind of join your tribe, if you like. If you're just making up a story or telling a story for story's sake to try and get people's sympathy, you know, we're, we're not that dumb. We see three, 
through that, uh, that stuff. Well, and I think it's, it's, or the embellishing of things, right? Because I think, I don't know, I've had plenty of down on my knees. I get back every, every time, but there has to be a relevancy too. So it's this, um, I, I don't know, like tell, this is what for me, when I started doing emails, my almost daily, right. was, I wanted to get better at weaving a story and, and connecting. Right. And I think it takes quality time and work to get there. And I'm not saying I'm there, but it's, there's a piece that you want to connect with people. And so Larry, this is great because this was on our list too. We're going to kind of pivot here, but the, the great point is Larry's saying, Oh, those YouTube ads are ridiculous. This is my Ferrari and my home and I was homeless last year, but I'm rich now and you can't. Yeah. That, those are the ones exactly that Larry's got it spot on. Yeah, I mean, I mean, if you're honest with yourself, who wouldn't actually like a Ferrari? You know, I'm sure it'd be really nice, be completely useless in Canada, like a pimped-up F-150 pickup truck, maybe, that will get me through the snowbanks. A Ferrari would sit, sit in the garage for 10 months of the year when there's no snow. But, yeah, I mean, you, you can say to your heart's consent that you don't want all that nice stuff. Um, but, you know, different people have different ideas of what they're, their you know kind of luxury level is or comfort level is and it's fine that we all want different things but if somebody wants to have a ferrari don't knock them for it they could that you know that they that's quite within their yeah. rights to to want to own a nice fancy car you know that might be might be their thing like i say i'd rather have a nice pickup truck that can uh, tow me out of the snowbank or tow someone else of the snowbank um, but yeah yeah it, it's it's got to be genuine that's the thing it has to be genuine that's some great comments too. Uh, Defender saying, would that categorize as emotional advertisements? Um, you know, the interesting thing is I think it could for the right audience. And a lot of that, you know, it was when hustle, hustle, all of that was so glamorized. For the most part, it was, I'm sorry, but it was either a 25-year-old dude who's doing it. And I'm like, I don't have a mortgage and kids and life to take care of, you know, so... But I think as a mature marketer, and I don't mean my age, I'm just saying time, you st- you need to start looking at things more clearly and not getting offended is my thought. Yeah, it, right? I mean, it's de- 100% it's emotional, but it's the wrong emotions. They're going on guilt and shaming. Whereas, um, you know, for me, the emotional stuff that works, something that actually is more optimistic, you know, that's going to make you smile. Those are the things that kind of draw me in is, is uh, you know, a sense of humor and being natural about stuff, not not trying to guilt me or shame me into to doing something because that, that, like I say, as a more mature marketer, doesn't, doesn't work at all. See through that BS straight away. And maybe that's part of it. It's interesting because when you start, you know, it's funny, all the talks about, like, because I really, I could care less if somebody's goals are to own a yacht. Have at it. If you're working and you can afford it and that's what you want, more power to you. I want less crap to worry about my life to maintain, um, but I'll go for a ride. Um, but I, I, I think it's, it's, I don't see as much of that, to be honest with you, like the ads and stuff I get because obviously targeting. So you wonder how, how did I get targeted here? Maybe it's someone else. And I've started to, you know, I don't want to see this ad anymore. Either I've seen it too much or it's not really relevant. So you one have some power. I wish to God YouTube would let us like if I see another Monday.com ad, I'm oh, going yeah. <laughs> right? but that's a whole other conversation. But I do think that, you know, the, I don't know, the genuine, the ability to show up and be honest with what you want, but at the same time, not making other people wrong for what they want. Right. So I think that that element of, um, I don't know, building a business on your terms. Right. So I tend not to complain about what other people are doing publicly anyways I meant to Lorraine or Devinder um but it's like when I see people bitching and complaining about other people's behavior you guys my brain automatically goes to well if your business was running you wouldn't have time if you were doing what you need to do like what's the trigger in you that makes you get offended by what someone else is doing yeah and I mean that's the whole whole thing of business as well people you know, the keyboard warriors, I call them, they sit there and they're, they're quite happy to uh, type a complaint. You know, if, if, if that complaint is something that you could honestly walk up to that person and say face to face, fine, go ahead and write it. But, you know, if you can't actually <laughs> genuinely say that to somebody um, without hiding behind a, a computer screen and a keyboard, then 
just keep your mouth shut and don't don't say anything you know it doesn't you see especially on Facebook as well you see so many people there's so many so much drama in some of the groups Mm. and you think you know what what kind of life do you have that you can you've got the time for one to sit there and uh, keep coming back at people and arguing with people on social media it's like that, that just baffles me completely that people people will spend the time you know arguing with people that they've never met have no possibility they'll ever meet and they're you know they're just they're just trying to one-up somebody on social media it's it's just beyond me that oh i tell you Stephen just said why are only a handful of people watching this this is awesome there should be hundreds learning from this thanks kim and lorraine for sharing you're awesome Stephen. thank you so much for that well, and this is kind of the the direction i'm thinking of going with the podcast so thank you for that and i just think you know I'm, i don't know lorraine's awesome and i want to <laughs> i love having conversations with her and so this to me there's there's so much value in these real conversations about it but i think you know my hopes with with some of that that you were saying to lorraine is that i wish people could watch how somebody does something you know like and the only example I can give you off the top of my head is ClickFunnels. I get it. Russell Brunson drives people crazy. You don't have to use the tool, but you can't deny he knows how to market. And if there's something in there, and if he drives you crazy, you don't watch him. I get that, right? There are plenty of people that are stand-up quality business owners, but maybe their voice drives me crazy. Maybe my voice drives you crazy. I totally understand that. But I think it's if people would take a harder look at themselves. It's that self-awareness piece. Like, why am I triggered? Why am I so pissed off that this is showing up in my feed or that he's, he's marketing this way or doing this. Right. And it's (laughs) my other one, you guys. And so we've got the one spectrum with the Lamborghinis and all that kind of stuff. Right. And then you've got the other spectrum from a female side. And this is a pet peeve for me. I'm like, so overly Pinterestized the brand, everything. I'm like, I have no idea who you are, but your pictures, your, your laptop is there. The, the walls, the color, everything is cute and pink and gold and lovely. And, and I'm not saying that they're not good human beings. My point is I don't know much about you other than that you hired a great branding person. Like there's no personal <laughs> you photography for your brand, <laughs> right? All those lovely little pictures of tidy desks that you can see. Yeah. It's not tidy. <laughs> Well, and it's same right for me. It's, it's just, and again, I'm not saying do things the way I do it, but I think it's just because the package looks great doesn't mean it's going to be delivered. So I look at that and I'm like, what is, what is triggering you, Kim? Like, why are you so pissy about it? And, and I don't know. And maybe that's my own, God, should I look this way or should I do more branded stuff? And then I come back. I think I'm at a certain point in my life where I'm like, "Ah, I don't have the energy for it. Yeah. I mean, it's fine to get get pissed off at somebody because of something they've they've posted but um i mean pissy close. not pissed off like me getting like triggered right so yeah well, that's, that's on me that, not on them yeah no that's the same that that's what i would say pissed off is being pissy is just a different phrasing for it's my englishness coming through <laughs> but yeah just just move on close the tab mm-hmm. down unfollow yeah. them snooze them for 30 days whatever just there's no need to kind of get in there you just all you do is make yourself more angry by by reacting and getting triggered just it's that old saying right of trying to poison someone else by drinking the poison yourself yeah just just and and that's why I think when you know especially with what we do is we work on our own so much and and you know we don't we don't go to an office and all stand and bitch around the uh in the coffee room to get it off your chest that that's kind of how I guess people that work on their own, they feel like they, they, that's how they get it off their chest. They, they write a snotty comment and that, oh, that's made me feel better. Like, has it really? But does it? Really? Go pour yourself a glass of wine, have a shot of tequila, whatever, another coffee. <laughs> like, life is way too short to get, to get um, that snarky about things online. And, and I think that, you know, I mean, I know a lot of us wouldn't have businesses if it wasn't for social media, but that's one of my big hatreds of social media is that it just spreads nastiness sometimes, you know, and when you really just should just move step away from it. And and I kind of seen a few people moving away from Facebook and things like that a little bit. Um, You know, there seems to be a bit of a movement to to kind of just one is because of the distraction of it. You know, you get sucked into something and it, and it just is, is a time suck. 
Um, but the other thing is that, you know, the negativity. And I think you see that on Twitter a lot as well. Twitter is one of those that uh, gets nasty really quickly. I mean, with the, the, you know, President Trump and all the stuff that you see about that, sometimes you just have to turn things off and, and you suddenly find your, your, you know, your, your outlook and your opinion has, has just taken a bit of a lift because you're not reading this negativity all the time. You have to kind of stay, stay above it and filter it out sometimes because it just, it'll just get you down completely. Well, I, I've said that to me. I'm pretty protective of what goes into my head and listen to and all of those things. And I, I'm more at the point where like, I have to shut it to get work done at a certain point. At the same time, you know, like, I mean, yesterday writing this podcast episode and then recording it was five hours. It was like a 3,400 word post. I pulled an image. I'm not done with links and stuff, but there was no way I would have completed it or it would have been cohesive, you know, if I hadn't closed it down. So I know for myself as a business owner, I have to have those windows to shut it out. At the same time, like I think this is where we're at, where I said the market's matured. I don't think it's, it's only the way people are marketing, but these platforms are maturing. I don't think they're going to go anywhere. But I think so that's have- one, one of the reasons that Instagram is, is doing so well. It, it's probably one of the, of the best um, platforms like when's the last time you looked at Instagram and got pissed off at something? It's not, it's, it's pictures and videos and happy things. Like it's, it's mm-hmm. not, there's never any kind of big drama on Instagram. You know, it's something you, you look at a picture and a picture, you know, will make you smile. It's very, it's very positive. And I think that's one of the reasons that's probably growing, um, you know, more quickly than, than some of the other ones now and why the others are possibly declining. I mean, who's ever been on Pinterest and got angry? <laughs> it's just, it's just nice things, you know, and Instagram's the same, whereas Facebook and Twitter. Too. I just get hungry and want to travel on Pinterest. Yeah, I want to build things. <laughs> yeah. You want to make stuff. Well, so, and it's interesting. I'd be curious, you guys, for any of you here, I know, um, I, I think everyone here does stories and stuff. I have noticed my Facebook stories getting more views than they used to. It's starting to pick up a little bit. Um, because it's it's fun content. And again, I this is my prediction. I, I have to buy a crystal ball one of these days, but I think that Facebook's going through something right now, right? And this oh, is uh, just, just today, you know, when you get the memories that come up on, you know, mm-hmm. you posted this four years ago, they on my phone now, they are now coming up um, basically story ready. They come up with uh, mm-hmm. to add little graphics and things too. So it's very yeah. easy to just post something like that as a story. Um, so yeah, right. Facebook's definitely uh, learning from uh, from its mistakes from the last couple of years and, and kind of pinching good things from other people. You know, maybe it's because they own Instagram as well now. They're kind of trying to combine the two ideas a bit. But uh, yeah, it's... Uh, it, it, you just have to learn to filter out the bad stuff yourself because yeah. Facebook aren't going to do it. That's you know they make they make their um, their money and their their captive audience from a lot of the drama that you know they want the drama. That's why Twitter keeps keeps half the people that it should kick off its platform on the platform because they want that engagement. So you have well, to learn to filter it yourself. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, so one of the speakers, uh, Dana Malstaff. Uh, I, I think it's boss mom is her brand. She's got a Facebook group of like 35,000. And when it comes down to it, and, and I'm going to kind of pivot back to Facebook for marketing, because I do think it's not going to go anywhere. And I don't care how many people say they're leaving or they're going to jump off. Your audience is still there. You're still going to be able to drive business with Facebook. It's going to be any platform. I think the platforms are going to have to, to me, they're going to have to do something to get people using their pages again more. I don't know what that looks like. I have no idea what that means. We know video works, right? Um, But I think this engagement piece, right? So now what's happening, and please, I'd love your thoughts on this, you guys, but people have to work harder. That's all. You can't just push stuff. Engagement drives Facebook. That's what the algorithm looks at, right? So she gave some great ideas. And I have to find that happy balance for me. Like one of the things she was sharing is that on the weekends, she'll let people drop products for like under $100, right, in the community. At the same time, I'm not interested in growing a group. I want to be protective of what I built, 
So how can I make this a win-win? I don't know. Like you guys have seen the content share. I, I haven't, I got great ideas, great suggestions. Haven't deployed it because I'm not sure. Of her 35,000 people that she has, how many of those actually kind of contribute anything meaningful on a regular basis? I'll let you know. I join the group. Yeah. I mean, that's a huge, huge group. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, and, and I'd love to see some numbers on how many of those, actually do you know make a a contribution to that group i mean the content creators groups huge now but you tend to see the same people engaging engaging all the time Mm -hmm. right and so that's where it's like how can i bring in more engagement at the same time i don't care like i'm not one of those people and thanks robert said we rock like if you want to lurk for a year before you ask a question cool if you're getting value that's great like i'm not ignorant enough to think that it has to be you know, we all have businesses to run. Um, but I want to pivot as we wind down here because we were talking about where things are heading. And that brings me to the point of, I think communities are getting tighter. We're looking at quality versus quantity, right? So what are your thoughts on that? Oh, hundred percent. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, like I say, it's, it's all about building relationships with people in those groups. And, you know, you can, you can see the same people. You kind of feel like you get to know people because they, uh, they comment and, add things and uh, you can get a feel for somebody's uh, personality from some of the posts and, and it kind of makes you feel more part of that community mm-hmm. than, than if it was just, uh, you know, I mean, you can lurk in the background, like you say, no problem. And, and you can get a lot of value that way from reading other people's comments and, um, you know, solutions. If you've got a problem, I think that's the, that's the way with groups um, that, that I particularly enjoy being in is if somebody has a, a problem or a question, they can post it and they'll get some, some, some opinions, some answers, um, you know, and, and there's an awful lot of value. You, you know, you might join a group later on and then go back and read somebody had the same kind of issue and you've, you've already got the solution to your problem. You don't need to post it because the, the knowledge and the information has already been answered in that group. Um, so yeah, so hundred uh, percent quality over quantity anytime, I think. Well, I think it's going that way with email lists. I think it's going that way anywhere listeners conversation. It's like, so, so much was drilled into us about bigging a big list and in quantity, quantity, quantity. And I'm not saying you can't do both, right? Like have a quality list of people who have pre-qualified themselves to a certain degree to be on their list or on your list, whatever. But I think where the magic happens for me with this is that, you know, if you take the time to do it correctly and I can't give a a list on what that looks like based on the business, but if you take the time to do it genuinely, how's that? Um, And you build a list of a thousand people, it's that thousand true fans. We've all heard it, but engagement is the next piece and in staying in touch and communicating. I simply think that we're in a time where, None of this is new anymore. There's always going to be new tools, which we could talk about. You know, there's always going to be something new to test and try. And I love doing that. But it's those core fundamentals of staying in contact, delivering quality, connecting, having conversations, all those things that are going to drive your business, you know. Um, And to that piece, like we were talking, I think another trajectory or place that we see things heading is storytelling. We've been hearing this forever, but I feel like that's becoming more mainstream. People are getting, you better start telling stories that connect with your audience. Yeah, hundred um, percent. Like I say, it's, it's it comes down to the, the the genuine, being genuine with people. And when you see that in marketing, you know, uh, television ads now they're all little stories, they're mm-hmm. the little the little case studies and um, you know examples of how that product might have helped somebody. Uh, and it comes down to being relatable. You want you want to know that that person or that product is gonna is gonna solve the problem that you have. So if you can if you can tell a story where um, you know you've helped somebody with a particular issue, that's going to relate to somebody much more than you standing up saying you must do this and this is the way you should do it. So yeah, definitely storytelling. Um, I think it's always been the way to do it, but it kind of mm-hmm. got it kind of got uh, you know covered up with all the other um, stuff that's around. But it's it's definitely fighting back and coming to the forefront again now. Yeah. I think because there's so much information out there. And so it's like, what's going to hold your attention? You know, that my favorite one was when, um, 
Audi and Marvel did a, it was an, it was a commercial and it was when Spider-Man homecoming was coming out and Spider-Man was taking his driver's test in a car he borrowed from his friend, Tony Stark. And it was like, but it was funny. And the DMV instructor and the kid had to hop out and go save somebody, whatever. But I was like, I literally just watched this. Like it was a movie trailer, <laughs> you know, we have one. Um, I don't know if you have it in the U S but uh, we have one, I think it's Geico. Um, and it's, but it's a camel walking around a, an office, a cube, like a room full of cubicles. And the camel's just going, what day is it? What day is it? And everyone's like head down, ignoring the camel. Till the last one goes, it's hump day. <laughs> and the, the, the punchline of the advert is, um, you know, who's happier than a camel on, on Wednesday. Um, but the, the way they, they've done the advert, is, it's just, it just makes you laugh every time. You know, it's one of those ones that just, you, you know, you've seen it so many times, you know what's going to happen, but it still makes you smile. It's like Ed right? <laughs> when he posts his jokes. <laughs> like all the bad jokes ever, but they still make you smile. All the puns. I love them. I love them. Yeah. You know, that I think when I posted with the two dogs where they said, um, what do you call a a zoo without any dogs? A shih tzu. A shih tzu, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I shared that with so many people. Anyways, super sad. And I think that's why that's why memes work so well. It's because Mm -hmm. there's so much crap in the world. People want to laugh, people want to smile, they'll give them something to 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 feel, you know, uh, you know good about rather than all the, the drama and negativity that, that goes on around everywhere, you know, break, break through with a, with a, you know, a feel good story. I think that that will do just as good as, um, you know, the, I, I'm living in a shoebox in the middle of the road type story. And now I have a Ferrari. And the point is you have to test them too. Right. And regardless, we're at a point that unless you have a ton of money to dump into ads, you have to pay for the data, time or money. One of the two ways all of this is the long game now. You know, when there, there were days where you could keyword stuff an article or, I mean, do all kinds of black hat stuff and get ranked and sell crap. But those days are so far behind us now that it's, it's looking at what you're doing, who you're doing it for, and remember who you become in the process is invaluable. Um, you know, so I, I just, I actually think it's exciting times. I think that it's kind of a level playing field. You know, obviously that ads you guys know I've talked about, I want to put money into traffic this year. Um, <clears throat> but I feel like I've built a solid foundation. So it depends on where you're at in your business. Yeah. And people get too caught up on, um, you know, you, you might write a blog post and, and then people get caught up with how on earth, what on earth am I going to use as a keyword for this? Uh, it, it doesn't necessarily have to have a keyword if it's a story. You know, you, right, can't, right. You, can't, you can't keyword a story sometimes. Sometimes it's just a story and, you you know, you need to find somewhere an audience that want to hear that story uh, and you can't necessarily market that by, by um, SEO and keywords. You have to market it in a more human way, you know, and I think that that kind of um, is a way to, to move forward with all the AI and all that stuff we have and all the tools for that we have nowadays. I think the, uh, you know, the, the human stuff is going to start coming, coming through where people get fed up of all the automated stuff and they want to actually read some more genuine stories. And I think that's where a lot of people can, can really benefit, um, you know, without worrying about, you know, how do I, how do I get this ranking number one for this, this keyword? Never mind the, never mind the keywords on, you know, on some posts, some posts can just be stories and promote them. At the end of the day, it's how much you promote that story too. Yeah. Right. So, so it's both. And we got some great feedback to Devinder and Stephen were saying, um, you know, for both that they are both in groups with 20, 30, 35,000 people and there's no engagement. And then you'll have a thousand person group and there's a ton of engagement. So that's what I mean. I, I really think we're at this precipice. It's a, it's a great time to be in this space, especially if you have something that you're making and want it that solves a problem for somebody. It's, it's so not rocket science. Um, but yeah, this has been fantastic. I totally appreciate You guys have any questions you want to jump in? Um, they're joking around about Devinder saying, yeah, my Yoast is still not showing a green dot. You know, it's funny even with yeah, that. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, and it's like, there are times like, I, I think the post I wrote yesterday, like I said, it's like over 3,400 words and Yoast will give me a, 
you know, readability. And I'm like, and you're looking what? to see where you can stuff an H3 heading in with the right keyword. And it's like, uh, no, it's not going to like, work. Yeah, piss off. Like, we're not doing that. We're not doing that. So, um, but thanks, you guys. This is great. You guys are at a core group of people that stuck with us the whole time. I appreciate it. I, I really appreciate the feedback. Lorraine, a pleasure as always. So much fun talking to you. Thank you so much for joining me. You're welcome. We'll go back to bitching offline. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Send me a little message in Messenger. Uh, so thank you. Uh, and uh, Stephen was saying too, there's an awesome video from Coca-Cola that outlines their key marketing concepts. I talk to people who just yawn and won't spend the 17 minutes to watch it and learn. If anybody knows about marketing, I would think it's Coca-Cola. That's it. I think at the end of the day, you guys, find those things that resonate with you that you can learn from. But most importantly, implement. Like do something. You know, when I, I did the podcast yesterday and I suggested to people that they take a pen and paper and listen to it or, or come back to it because I got to watch the event as an observer and, and I, and I, so I was looking at it with different eyes, but the last call to action in a bullet list is I said, just implement one thing from this. Just no, do, do something and it doesn't have to be something. perfect. That's the, that's the thing I think people get caught up on is they, they wait for it to be perfect. Mm-hmm. Don't wait. Just, just publish something and you can always tweak it afterwards. But yeah. You say just show up, just show up, just do it. (laughs) I think that's already gone. That one though. Yeah. That one pen paper. What's that? All right, Steven, I'm sending you a planner. All right, guys, you guys are awesome. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Stay tuned. I think I'm going to pull these conversations into the podcast more frequently and uh, we'll catch you next time. Have an awesome day. You guys. Thank you. Bye everyone. All right, guys, you know the drill. Uh, but before we get into the request for reviews and iTunes, all that good stuff, today's episode is brought to you by the Content Creators Planner. If you don't know what I'm talking about, I've got to amp up the promotion here, but go to contentcreatorsplanner.com. This is the way to build your content strategy. It's exactly what you've been waiting for. Trust me, we've got some massive training planned for this. We've got great videos already. It is shipping. Uh, it depends on when you get this. It's going to have shipped or be shipping. Uh, anyways, as always, thanks for listening. I'd love a review on iTunes, Stitcher, Google, wherever. As always, have a fantastic day, and I will catch you next time.